Welcome to Golden Topics, which are personal discussions with a variety of professionals on critically important elder issues. Hi, my name is Mirit Hoffman. I'm a mother of three, a gerontologist, and an attorney specializing in elder law. My focus is helping senior citizens to stay in control when they reach significant junctions in their lives. I am a member of STEP, which is a global society of trust and estate practitioners. I lecture on estate planning and I write on various sites about the relationship between children and their elderly parents and the daily needs of the intergenerational family. These podcasts are personal discussions with a variety of professionals and are intended for anyone who is interested in being enriched with knowledgeable information regarding significant crossroads for seniors. Let's get started. I hope you enjoy it. We're going to be talking to Rachel Weinstein, who is a clinical social worker in private practice. And um, I'd like you to introduce yourself because you do a very good job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hi, my name is Rachel, everybody. Um, And Rachel Weinstein, I'm a clinical social worker in private practice. I um, am located in Beit Shemesh and I see people uh, in Beit Shemesh. I'm also licensed in, uh, in the state of Illinois most recently and uh and so i see people through teletherapy zoom skype i met with people by phone and i actually do meet people in person too i have a little bitty office in my building and so i work with lots of different populations but the general gist of the work i do is helping people with transitions and transitions come in all different forms. So for people involved in grief and bereavement, the transition from being the child of a of a parent who is sick or dying or even before that, and then what it's like to be the bereaved, the the grieving child. Um, I also help people through Aliyah adjustment. I, you know, my family and I just uh, hit our 10-year mark. And so never in my whole life thought I'd be able to say I've been living in Israel for 10 years. Um, But the adjustment is drastic and um, truly very humorous if you can find some humor in it, because there's a lot to be found. Um, But it's also really difficult. I mean, I I always say, you know, you, you know, I I left the United States feeling like a fairly intelligent grown-up and by the time I got to Israel, I didn't understand why there was, you know, milk in a bag. Like I, I couldn't function. Um, I, I can function now, but it, it takes a lot of adjustment and and all that. Um, and the other one of the other groups I work with is also supporting um, people within the community and the parents of people who are LGBTQ plus. What it's like as particularly in the Orthodox community, not necessarily just the Orthodox community. But what it's like for parents who, whatever your plans are for your children, generally speaking within our community, the last thing you expect to hear is, mom, I'm gay. And some of us have that experience. And um, and I very much enjoy helping helping parents who are, you know, in that situation. Because, again, it's, it's not quite milk in a bag, but it's definitely, definitely uh, an adjustment. Um, and so I, before that, I had also worked in hospice for many years. And so working with, um, people who, you know, per our topic were sandwiched, um, that was also a 
I'll go into that. So, okay. Well, we're right. doing like a million things, but today we're going to actually talk about the sandwich generation. That's sandwich generation. So, so the sandwich generation, I think a lot of people have heard of it. Some people haven't. It's basically, it's the metaphor of you're the parent taking care of a child. You're also taking care of your elderly or adult, obviously adult parents. And you are right in the middle. You are sandwiched and oftentimes squished right in the middle. Um, sandwich generation typically means that uh, demographic, but it can also mean, and this I know because I this was the situation when I was growing up, it can also be the spouse taking care of an, of an ill spouse as well as their child. Not quite the same, but definitely uh, kind of you know, really squished in the middle there. Um, so, so that's, so being stuck in the middle, you're really pulled into, into different directions because if you are the mom or the dad, you, you have to take care of your kids. That's kind of what you sign on for when you become a parent. But now you're in the position of taking care of your generally speaking elderly or frail or God forbid dying parent. And there's only so many places you can be at once. Right. Do you want to start with some, maybe a personal story or something that you want to share with us? Sure. Um, about, I, I, you know, when you go through a certain stage, you don't necessarily know that you're like in it, but I was definitely really in it. Um, about eight years ago when my mom was very ill, um, I live in Israel. My mom was in New York and I flew out because I needed needed to be there. And I have a sibling, but I was very much a, a one woman show. And I had been taking care, you know, taking phone calls at all crazy times. My mom had a just a knack for going into crisis on Friday nights in Israel, like right in the middle of lighting candles. And I kept getting more and more phone calls that the things were really speeding up and I needed to be there. So I get to New York and I planned on I was going to, you know, I was I went into social worker mode. I went to medical social worker mode. I met with the doctors. I talked shop you know, speaking to my mother, speaking to the, I need the nurse, I need the social worker, I need the physical therapist, on and on and on. And I was, this was my job. This is, this was my job. I was taking notes. This was my job. And at a certain point, I started to get yelled at internationally. I guess that's a talent. Um, but I was getting yelled at from friends and family in America, in Israel, and in Europe. And they were all telling me, I know you're there for three weeks. You cannot be in that hospital room all the time. You cannot. And I kept saying, but, but this is why I came. At the same time, mind you, in Israel, um, this was just around the time that the school year was starting. So I have, thank God, four kids. One was in Sherut Lumi. One was going into Mechina or at the fin sorry, finishing the end of their, their high school, high school years. Another was starting a new high school in a dorm and another was finishing up elementary school. So my husband was a one man show on this and on this side of the world. And I was doing the, the, you know, medical parent stuff. And people kept saying, you cannot, you cannot be in the hospital all the time. And every time I said, okay, fine, I'll take a little break. People who know me knew that a little break meant no break. And they kept, they kept telling me I had to go. Finally, I took their advice, partly because I was a little scared of what would happen if I didn't. And I took myself out to lunch one day. Not a fancy lunch, just lunch. It was me, a magazine, and a salad. And I spent hours walking up. I was in Brooklyn, so anyone familiar with King's Highway? 
walked up and down King's Highway, and I went into CVS and Dwayne Reed and Walgreens, the super farm of New York and uh, a lot of the states, but without the people coming up to you and saying, do you want, you know, lipstick? Do you need stuff? And I just remember I took in the pretty colors. That's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to buy all the makeup. I just wanted to take in the pretty colors. And it wasn't anything fancy, but it was the respite that I needed just to take a breather and remember that I'm not only a mom and I'm not only a daughter, but I'm a person and I just needed to look at pretty colors. And that's what I did. And I was grateful that I got yelled at because I wouldn't have done it otherwise. I just wouldn't have. Interesting, you know, when you mentioned pretty colors, I'm wonder. I'm assuming, I'm assuming, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't have any medical background. I'm assuming the pretty colors was probably something against maybe the gray that you felt in hospital. So you needed like some light, some bright, some different. It's it's possible. I needed I needed to be in an environment where the colors, you know, red just meant red nail polish, <laughs> you know, and blue didn't mean someone wasn't breathing. It just meant blue. <laughs> That's all I needed. To be. You know, and and people talking about happy things or people talking about anything that wasn't what's the blood pressure, what's the oxygen level, did you call the nursing home? Just nothing. It was it was, you know, sort of fairy tale land. And, you know, it might seem silly, you know, feeling like that in the middle of a pharmacy uh, of all places. But I was pretty, pretty stuck in the makeup section. So it was a little fairy tale. Um <laughs> But but yeah, I, I needed I needed to take I needed to take that break. And what's interesting, too, is that one of the things that when my mom was so ill, one of the things that I heard repeatedly was her protein levels were never where they needed to be. They were never where they needed to be. And that kept delaying this procedure and that procedure. And it was ironic because I also wasn't really taking care of myself. Now, I'm younger, healthier. So if I didn't have a little protein one day, I might feel a little depleted, but it wasn't pushing off other major things. And so the irony is that while I was trying to get my mother to get as much protein in as as her body could possibly tolerate, um, my niece at one point came to the hospital to visit me and waved a cheese stick in my hand. Why are you waving a cheese stick of all the things in the world? And she said, I bought these for you. You need protein. And it was amazing that here I was insistent that my mother get the protein she needed. But me? I I literally needed my niece, who is a little shorter than I am, and I'm all of five feet tall, to wave a cheese stick at me to remind me that I also needed to take care of myself. Um, you know, they say on the, uh, I'm sure all of us who have ever flown anywhere, you know, they say, put your, what is it, put your, before your you oxygen mask, I think it is. Right. Make sure, God forbid, in case of, I don't know if they say God forbid, but in case of an emergency, you know, before you put the oxygen mask on your children or whoever, make sure you put it on yourself. And that cheese stick was kind of my oxygen. And the reality is that if we don't, you know, the sandwich generation, look, we, we don't get a lot of breathing space and we don't get a lot of time to take care of ourselves. And I am sure that at some point during this talk, I will say, look, you have to eat. You have to take a break. And the reality is you don't. You don't have to. Who am I? I'm, I can't tell people what to do. But if you choose not to take that break, if you choose not to eat and not to hydrate and not to sleep, 
what will happen is you will end up sharing a hospital room with your parents. And you can't do very much from there. You cannot be the best parent, the best child, the best caregiver, the best advocate. You, If you get sick, you're really up a creek. <laughs> I'm sorry to be so blunt. You really are. So you don't have to do any of the things I might suggest. Um, but if you don't take care of yourself on any level, you know, dehydrated people, people who are passed out, God forbid, people who are dead can't really help very much. So don't become that person. Um, so I was very, very clear. Let's just go back. Let's just, I want to go back for a second. So, okay. So chat, sandwich generation, sandwich generation, but when you think about it on a practical level, what does the parent actually need and what can you as the child, not as a professional, as a child, what can you actually do here? So I want to I kind of go backwards before we go forward, that one of the things you said is, you know, as the child, not as whatever profession you are, you know, whatever, whatever professions any of us are, our parents may be in service. So of that, of that thing that we do, or lack of a nicer word, way to say that. So for my mom, she needed a social worker to, to guide and coordinate things. That could not be me. I needed to be the kid. It didn't matter that I was, doesn't matter that I was a, a grown up, that I have four kids, doesn't matter. In that situation, I was the kid. So you need someone outside of yourself to be doing that work and that coordinating. If you're a physical therapist, maybe you can talk shop with your parents' physical therapist, but don't become the physical therapist because you're the kid. And that's really, really, really important. It's, it, we all, I think, go into our professional, you know, tongue a little bit, you know, depending on, on what we're doing, but these are not our clients or our patients or our, you know, bank partners. These are our parents and our children. We have to be the child or the parent, depending on who we're talking about. So in terms of what, what parents need or what we need, hopefully to provide for the parent is we need, first of all, they need, it's important that we're an advocate. Um, it doesn't mean you know, um, it doesn't mean that we don't take the information that the doctors say, but we need to advocate for our for our parents. So, for example, if someone looks like they're in pain, you know, this is a very common thing in, in hospitals and in nursing homes. And that's not to knock anyone, but you're taking care of a lot of people. It's hard to be in 500 places at once. So if you're in the room and your parent says, I'm in pain. And you go to the nurse or the doctor and say, my mom is really complaining her foot hurts. If the answer is, I just gave her pain medication, okay, then maybe let's see, let's see if it'll work. But if you get an answer like, and I hope no one does, she always complains. Or, yeah, of course her foot hurts. She just had, you know, A, B, and C happen. If you have to follow your gut too. And so if that answer works for you, then it works for you. For me, it didn't work for me. And that's just the way it was. You know, you might say, I understand that she's always in pain. Perhaps there's a reason for that. I need you to look into it. It doesn't mean screaming. It doesn't mean being the crazy person on the unit. It just means saying, I, I hear you. I know you're really busy, but that's my mom or my dad. And I need, I need your help. I need your help. And saying it in a way that lets people know. I respect your 
position in your field and what you do, but this is this is my blood and I, I need you. I need you to pay some attention. And if you don't get the answer you want, again, you don't have to go and become a crazy person. You go to the next person and you go up and you go up and you go up until your, pers- your, your person gets what it is they need. Um, if you can't be present, whether you live in the country or you don't, if you can have an advocate there. So, for example, when I eventually went back to Israel, when my mom was still in the hospital and nursing homes, I had a friend who was me, <laughs> was me when I couldn't when I couldn't be there. So she had permission. We had all the right paperwork signed. And she was able to say, yes, it's OK that Mrs. Mrs. Levin get, gets transferred. It's OK, because I gave her that permission And this way, I could take care of myself and come up for air. So I could perhaps drink a cup of coffee and actually enjoy the whole thing. (laughs) And while my friend was was being my my voice. Um, The the other thing I'll I'll just say is that um, make sure you have all the information. All the information meaning have whatever necessary medical information. Make sure you know what pills they're on. Make sure you know who, which doctor do they go to for this or that or the other thing. Just have a list so that you have some sort of reference so that not only is it so that you have the information, it gives you a little bit of a sense of control. Like uh, mom said, her head's hurting her. That's the, you know, the neurologist she has to see or, or whatever it is. Um, it also, when you go into anything prepared, you do better, you advocate better. So when you have the information, it's, it's important. To, it's an, it's, it, it makes you it makes you a better advocate. Right, definitely. Um, I wanted to touch on something. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily the, the right order, but because you mentioned pretty colors, it just brought an idea to my head. A lot of people, um, you know, know inside themselves when they're in this very difficult position that they need to take a break. But I've heard not from one person, but from quite a few people say, you know what, that's very nice in theory, but I cannot afford financially to take a break. I mean, it's very nice that they say go to go for three days to the Carmel Spa or go to I don't know what or go see, do a manicure. But some people financially are actually stretched at that point because they want to save all their money to go to America or to go abroad to visit the parent. They don't want to waste money on taking a break. So like it to like talk about that because i think there's all kinds of ways of taking breaks right i mean i think i think first of all look if you know halavai by all of us money is no object that would be fantastic but even if money's no object time is that's you know that that's the way this this world works um and so even if you take a break you know even though i was in you know the different pharmacies looking at the pretty colors I also knew that my phone could ring at any point. And so that that anxiety, that was on me. I had a decision about how much I could, whoops, my paper's was blown away, how much I could control and, and how much I needed to control that. There are certain things that that are, you know, part of your personality and, and partly of, you know, how you deal with stress. Um, and the reality is, I, I mean, I don't believe in, you know, unicorns and fairy tales. This is hard. Anyone who tells you that taking care of, you know, your parent who may be sick or who is maybe 
healthy for the most part, but on, but you need to like look at resources, you know, for, you know, however down the pike while your 14 year old is saying, mom, I need new shoes. That's not easy. And you're working and you're wifing or husbanding or, or single parenting, whatever it is. So it's not easy. But there are things that you can do. You also need, it's great, you know, you're advocating for your parents. Make sure they get, you know, the right pain medication. Make sure they're in the right placement. Um, you know, whether they need a nursing home or a hospital or a hospice or a caregiver, whatever it is. You have to advocate for yourself, too. Um, so if you need help, you know, if you're in a home where you are generally the one who does whatever task, Right. You know, uh, in, in my house, my husband tends to be the guy who does the laundry, right? So if he, if it was a situation like that and he was running back and forth to take care of his parents, I would hope not only that I would say, like, I got the laundry, but that he would say, I need some help with this. You need to be able to ask for help. And I know that we're taught to be strong and resilient and all of that stuff. And I think part of not only being in Israel, but certainly living in this slightly tense country. Um, you need to be tough and, you know, whatever. But you're not made out of metal. You're not made out of out of stone. You, ha you, you will break. You will eventually break. You can't just take and take and take until you're beaten down. So advocate for yourself. I need someone else to make dinner. I need somewhere eating takeout three nights a week. I know we can't totally afford it. We're not getting gourmet food, but I'm not cooking because I have no energy. Um, you are doing the dishes. You are doing carpool. Whatever it is, it's not going to make mom or dad get any better. It's not going to give your 14-year-old the new shoes they need, but it lets you come up for some air. Um, the other thing is holding on to perfection. You know, when I go to meet with the doctors, I've got to be the best daughter I can be. i got to be on my A game. No, you don't. <laughs> You don't. Your job is to be the child. Your job, you're not going to meet with your parents, physicians, or medical team. You're not interviewing with them. You're representing you and your parent. Just show up. You don't have to be, you know, all quaffed and gorgeous. And I know for some people, it's like, you're right. You don't have to be perfect. If you hold on to perfection, you will break. If your house is a little dirtier than you would like, either get some people to help, or sometimes you just have to say, it's going to be a little messier. It's going to be a little messier. You have to get rest. Again, I said in the beginning, I'm going to say lots of you have to do this. You don't have to. Don't do it. Don't listen to me. But you're going you're gonna to crack. So you, you, the choice is yours. But I would dare to say choose wisely. So um, asking for help. Um, Sometimes you may need to reach out for help, whether that's speaking to your friends. I need I need to go out for for a drink, whether that's a drink or a cup of coffee in the morning or whatever you drink at eight o'clock at night, whatever it is. I, I need to go out. I know, let's say it's hotter than heck or depending on where you live. I know it's freezing. I don't care. I need to get out of my head and out of my house. Do that. If you need to speak to a therapist then do that. If you feel like you visit mom or dad every single day, there is no rule. Uh, there's no rule in any book, in the Torah, in any any place that says you must be there every second of every day. 
again, you will crack. The same way that I bet that our parents would tell us, we want the best for you. We want you to take care of yourself. Why would you not do that just because you're taking care of them? They generally, for most of us, we learn that from them. So we have to take care of ourselves. Um, but again, also in terms of taking a break, I mean, again, not not to be not at all to be crass, but take a long shower, hang out in the bathroom for ten extra minutes, finish the chapter of the book you're reading. You're you're really you're you're fighting for time. You're fighting for time for yourself. You can't stop being a parent. You you can't do that. <laughs> Even on days when all your kids are really you know making you earn your keep, you can't stop being their parent. And as much as you think you can stop being someone's child, you can't. So you you take the time. It is your time. Take time when you have it. You know, you want to fuzz out on social media for a little while, stay away from any arguments. You want to look at memes. You want to play silly games. You want to watch Friends for the nine billionth time. Do it. Do it. Fuzz out. Do whatever you can. You need You need a break. Um, in terms also of, of advocating for yourself, um, there's two two other things I think are, are critical. One is if you are employed for somebody else, let them know. You don't have to let them know the whole story. But let them know. I want you to know that my mom or my dad or both are sick. I'm taking care of them, whatever it is. I just need you to know that. It doesn't mean and now ask for time. If you can, if you need to do that. But let them know. Because, again, I speak from experience. If you're at your computer one day and all you're doing is staring at your computer because your brain just stopped. It just it just stopped. Or you're sitting there and you're crying. It's a really good thing for your boss to know, oh, they're not just, you know, you know, they're, they're not just like taking uh, this extended break and I don't know what it is. Oh, you're having a hard time. If they know that, that they can either hopefully you have a boss that's supportive or at least they can know like you know what do you need a few minutes go take a few minutes come back afterwards that that compassion can make you feel good um if your children are in school let the teachers let the principal let whoever they are connected to our kids are not always connected to their teachers maybe they're connected to their yo to their excuse me yoets their counselor maybe they're connected to the cleaning lady it doesn't matter who let whoever they're connected to know that grandma or grandpa are having a hard time and that you, you know, you're kind of running all over the place because our kids spend most of their day away from us and they will at some point fall apart in whatever ways that they tend to do that. It's important for them to have safe people in the places where they hang so that if they fall apart and you can't be there or emotionally you're just you're done for, they have someone. Their best friend, their good friends, let the moms know. Let the other dads know. Everyone needs a team. You cannot be everyone for everyone. You can't. I tried. And I got a very short niece wave a cheese stick at me. You can't be everywhere for everyone. It's not. It's just not possible. It's not possible. And it's, um, I think it's okay sometimes to say... I just can't do it, Neil. I'm sorry. I just cannot. Or it's also okay to say, you know what? I'm sorry, but I'm going to watch the stupid sitcom 7,000 times because this is just what I need. I'm sorry. I know that this is maybe sounds silly and waste of time, but for me, I just need it right now. 
I Correct. think right. the other thing too, because I know we're running a little short on time is if you, the other thing is that sometimes people say, I can't break down in front of my kids. I, I can't. I don't know why we can't. I'm not saying fall out on the floor and like get an ambulance. No. But when you are crying because it's really hard, what you're telling your kids is that you are a human being. You love your mom. You don't love your mom. Whatever it is, you're letting them know that when when it really, when it hits the fan and you've done everything you can and you need to come up for air and there's no air to be found, you need to stop and fall apart. You're letting them know that it is okay for them to break. Because if everyone tries to be really, you know, stiff and, you know, we can handle it. I don't, I don't know. We don't need to do that. Um, letting your children know it's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry that you're in this situation. I love my children. I love my parents. But this is making me insane. I wish I wasn't here. That's okay. It doesn't mean you're a, a bad parent and it doesn't mean you're a bad, a bad child. Also, if you've been told or if a person's been told that, you know, look, mom or dad, they don't have a lot of time. You, you get into a certain mindset of like, okay, okay, we're going from asking lots of questions about what can we do to make them better to, okay, we're nearing the end. And that's one situation. But I know that there are certain people, again, I was one of these people, I was told, you know, your mom is, your mom is really, we're getting there. And I showed up and I heard her bellow, sorry, mom, heard her bellow my name when she saw me through the wall, through the, the halls of Maimonides Medical Center. And I thought, did they give me the update on the right mom? Because that woman sounds very alive to me. So health doesn't go like this. It goes like this. So it can be really difficult when you don't know, like, wait, you said they were coming to an end and now they're not. It's, it's also okay to say, you know what? I, I really wish this was over. It doesn't mean you're wishing your parents dead. It doesn't mean that you, it doesn't mean anything other than, oh my gosh, this is so hard. It's hard. It was hard getting phone calls in the middle of candle lighting. It was hard to literally up and do run into New York and Lord only knows, you know, knew what was going to greet me. It's hard to, to, to be everywhere and do everything. It's hard. It's hard every time the phone rings or the texts come or the emails come. You wonder, oh my God, what now? You wait, you're waiting. You're, you're on, on edge. It's hard. So, if you're at a point where you say, I just want this to be over, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to want, you know, you, you don't have to go find the difficult stuff. It, it'll find you. Don't, don't push it. <laughs> it'll find you. Um, but it's okay to be, to be, you know, to be a human being. Um, so um, I, I want to just add here and, and sort of, you know, concluding that, it's really, again, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at um, my notes a little bit too here, that when you're getting help, when you're getting help for your parents, you're making sure that, it, again, if, you, if they need emotional help, not from you, from a social worker, from someone that they work with, but in terms of support and all of that, 
it's it's really important that the playing field be as supportive as possible. And what I mean by that is there's often a lot of players in this. It's mom and mom or and dad who are ill or not or not doing well. You've got a house full of children, whether it's one or beyond that. You've got a spouse or not. You've got a job. Um, apparently, you still have to pay your rent and mortgage when you're sandwiched, right? You still have to, you know, get to work on time and all of that. If you can get help from the people around you, meaning I need you to do the dishes. You know, my friends, can you, Can I know we do carpool every, I do, I always do Wednesdays. Can one of you do Wednesdays? I just, I can't think. The little things add up and they become big things. When you feel supported, you can be better for everybody else. You're a nicer person. You're a nicer mom or dad, right? When you feel supported, you're less likely to scream at your child for asking you for the new shoes for the nine billionth time. When you feel supported and you're calmer and don't feel like you're doing this all on your own, you can listen to what the doctors and the nurses and your mom and dad have to say without losing it it's a lot of pressure people lose it so the support is huge and um and it will help make you a better everything for all the people that you're helping um and i think that's it (laughs) okay i have two things that come in mind like two little things one is it takes a village so use the village sometimes it's needed and the other thing is be kind to yourself in the world. And the word kind has a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people, but whatever it is for you, which significance kind and just use it. Right. Uh, I, as you said that, you know, if disposable plates, you know, if that, if that's kind to you, we're not allowed to use disposable plates anymore. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying, I mean, it, I'm trying to save the planet on my own. I laugh now. <laughs> I don't use the disposable anymore. But the reality is it's a little easier. And if it's your sanity, I hate to say your sanity versus the planet, but because I know someone's going to be really angry when I say that, but your sanity has to come first. It has to come first. It has to. Definitely your sanity has to come first because if you're not sane, then the rest of the family. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just I know it's, it's, you know, comical, so to speak, but imagine, you know, your parent is in the hospital. You end up in the next bed. Then what? You know, if you don't take care of your mind, your body, you, look, you're not going to be, like I said before, on your A-game with everything. But if you don't take care of yourself a little bit, even a little bit, you're going to fall apart. You're going to fall apart. And 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 that's just not a great place to be. So. Okay, well, I think you gave us a lot of food for thought and a lot of <laughs> suggestions and I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Golden Topics. I hope you enjoyed it and that it provided you with important information. Do not forget to click and subscribe to Golden Topics so that you can stay updated on my upcoming podcasts. And of course, please share and invite family and friends to listen so that they can also benefit from the information discussed here. You are also welcome to visit my website, www.lawmereet.com, and to follow me on Facebook for more information regarding 
intergenerational estate planning and the various needs of the elderly population. I'm already waiting for you with my coffee in the next episode. Oh.